Polygon critic Matt Patches says this film transcends the time period. Part Bond movie, part comedic caper, and anchored by a performance that feels Ryan Goslingian. It's a black and white movie that feels alive and contemporary. Variety says it's melodrama and at times far-fetched and improbable, but the story twists and spins artfully from one high-powered sequence to another, while the entertainment holds like steel cable from start to finish. And critic Dennis Schwartz says this film couldn't be more entertaining even if it had 40 steps. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the 39 steps. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Ooh, what a wonderful uh, uh, Robert Donut. Donut? Donut? Donut, Donut, Donut. Do- uh, Robert Donut. Uh, I don't know. I was not, uh, that That was not my intention. I was just going oh. for classy, British, stylish. But yes, that is that is how he talks in the film. British by way of Canada. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> he spent his time in Canada. Yeah, what an odd character trait to have. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, it's Ruined Childhoods. Hi. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for clicking play on your app or whatever. Thanks for checking in, checking in with us and hearing us talk about the 39 steps. Yeah, uh, this was a a first watch for me. And I was very intrigued to, you know, it's something that I've definitely heard about because it's, you know, an earlier Hitchcock movie before, like, a lot of the better known ones really were were getting pumped out. Yeah. And you definitely see a lot of the the beginnings of what Hitchcock would later develop as more of his style and, I don't know, tones and it was really fascinating. And uh, for anybody who is listening to this episode because they wanted to listen to an episode of a podcast about the 39 steps, uh, I hope we're able to deliver for you. But uh, I know that I am not going to be the one to give the best information because, Dan, you certainly have been living in this uh, <laughs> this property for a little bit. Do you want to tell everybody about that? Yeah, I have. So as uh, regular uh, as as regular listeners of the show have been with us for at least a year know um that in addition to my teaching duties at um the the high school where I, I teach um West Seattle High School go Wildcats I I also direct the the fall play which is something I love doing because it was always it was what I did in high school. Like that was my activity. Right. That was if, if you could have lettered in theater, I would have. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, it's like that was kind of that was where I found my friends from high school uh, that I that I'm still close with. I, you know, know them through theater and I love doing it and I love seeing the high school kids have that experience and get really excited. And it's why sometimes I enjoy seeing high school theater even more so than like professional theater, because <laughs> I, I just love seeing these kids who are just really excited. And like for some of them, they've never done it before. And like one kid I, I have in the show is like, he's a senior and he's just like, I've never done it. And I think like, you know, he's got you know friends who've been in involved in theater and it's just great. And also, especially because we are doing a we are doing a live performance and we're doing the the 39 steps, which was adapted in 2005 to a a stage play performed originally by four actors. One actor. I saw that on Wikipedia and I was like, this must be what they're doing. And because I was like, how else would they do it with all these set pieces and 
these all the characters and yeah. well john <laughs> the answer to that question is is what has been uh taking up most of my bandwidth these days got it because i didn't do this with four people we had a lot of kids audition we had about 30 31 kids audition and this play has a lot of roles and uh those roles are pretty much split between these four people well two one uh an actress who plays all the female characters and then an actor who wow. plays the the main character Richard Hannay and then two characters who pl- two actors who play all the other characters got it and it so you have all of these characters and like we have all these kids and like we're doing a like we're actually doing a show because our last year what i directed was a like basically via like zoom performance uh you know (laughs) remote theater it was a new genre and um but now it's kind of like it's a little bit of both because we are performing with with masks and we had a a whole lot of paperwork like very specific like we had to submit a very specific safety plan and in order for our show to open which it does on uh november 11th on veterans day um so we had to have all of this all of this in and there you also have to have the names and student IDs of every student, which uh, was also a major challenge because I cast everybody who auditioned. Oh, it was wow. Just like, well, there was also like, you know, you, the theater, de- like, you know, the kids in the theater department, a lot of them had cycled through, like a lot of kids graduated last year, the year before. So... It was like this opportunity and it's like, you know what, we can cast all these kids and some of them might just have like a little part. But you know what, it'll mean that they that for a while, at least they won't have to come to a lot of rehearsals when they come to rehearsals. They'll have a lot of extra time and they can do things and they can help out and do set changes and build stuff. And and so it just became an opportunity to just kind of grow the program and say, you know what, this year we're just, we're going to have like 30 kids in the fall play. And Oh, so one kid of the 31 didn't make the cut. <laughs> I don't, I forget exactly. Man, imagine if, if that was a situation, how bad that one kid would feel. Well, that was also, I mean, there was, it was part of that as well. And I mean, I, you know, un- unfortunately you do have some a- actors who don't end up, working out but um it's been it's been really good it's you know it's been really hard and and sure they're they're high school kids and they've got uh some pretty heavy course loads on top of what they're doing for theater and now at this point there's so many moving pieces as you said because it just moves from place to place to place so it's really taking advantage of the the spaces in the theater. We have action going on. We we have like a midway kind of aisle going across the house. Got and it. that's our like Scottish Moors. <laughs> oh, okay. When they're traipsing across the Scottish Moors and when he's on the run. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into a whole synopsis and yeah, more sorry. about I'm just story. No, um, but I, this I think it's been... so cool that you're you're doing this as a play for high school students, and, and it's, you know, it's fun because it's it's um it's an adaptation that's played more for laughs. It's much more in the style like I told kids to get a, a good sense of of the style of this to wa- to go watch like Top Secret. Oh. Uh huh. Things like that. We have some some gags like that. We've got. I mean, we've gotten uh, an airplane. We've got an airplane chase that happens. Um, okay. Hitchcock. Uh, and we we use the music from North by Northwest, and they actually reference North by Northwest in the scene. Uh, there's a lot of now, Hitchcock references. In, in either so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back just a little bit. So the 39 steps. Uh, originally was a novel written by John Bouchan. Buchan, I don't know how to pronounce his name. B-U-C-H-A-N. Buchan. And 
I Alfred Hitchcock did the first adaptation of this in 1935, and there have been two other film versions of it. I think they were both made for television, possibly, but one of them was in 59, I believe, and I watched a little bit of that one, and then there's one from 2008, and I believe that one of them actually does incorporate some of the north by northwest like you know the the low flying plane uh situation yeah um you know i'm not sure i've only seen the the 1935 yeah that's the 2008 what... one i think is on hoopla yeah yeah i remember i watched part of it i mean there were also several radio adaptations of it like orson oh, welles sure did well orson welles also loved this movie so right yeah i mean this was an an extremely influential movie um but dan i was wondering the play does it follow the hitchcock version or more closely to the novel oh no it is i mean like almost word for word the the hitchcock like there is dialogue there are things that happen that happen exactly uh you know as they're as they're written or there's dialogue that's exactly the way it's written but in this but the script and it's by uh Simon Corbel and Nobby Diamond uh which was uh, you know first done in in England and that you know moved to London i it was off off broadway in 2010 and then it was on broadway in Yep, yep, 2000 yeah, 2010. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um so uh oh sorry, it ran 2009. It ran about a year. So Okay. Uh anyway, it, it's really played up uh it, it it's really played for laughs. They find opportunities where like just these strange things happen where it, it's like this guy Hane just ends up like every woman he encounters he just charms them and Got it. it like that type of thing is really played up in in the script. And well, I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing the recording that's being done of your play. Oh, uh, if I may, it is not just a recording. We have a multi camera. I want to say maybe six cameras, wow. uh, six camera live stream that's actually, you know, being directed by um you know our our tech director yeah uh, who's going to be sitting at a table in front of monitors and we have t- like four uh remote op cameras and two that are like uh like not handhelds but um you know there are cameramen yeah. and yeah so we're doing live streams and uh it's November 11th 12th 13th and then seventeenth, uh, eighteenth, and nineteenth uh, show starts at seven thirty p.m. And if you go Pacific to the web, time. if you go to the website westsidedrama.com, there's a link tree on the website that will take you to where you can get these tickets because we've got this whole new ticketing system, and also we are having. Uh, audience. We we are having live audiences. Anyone who's planning on coming to see the show live, uh, first of all, has to sh- uh required to show proof of vaccination, um, required to be masked, and must must make reservations because we're doing seating in family pods, and cool. it's all distance seating. Which actually, because of the distance seating, it's allowed me to put a lot of action in in the audience oh very cool yeah so anyway i could see that working out really well in the beginning in the end uh, <laughs> yes so yes uh which i don't really include that in my synopsis because i don't want to give away the ending okay i'm glad all right yes so yeah so shall Understood. i synopsize dan synopsize away and this one, I should have, you know, had you not been so busy, I probably would have been like, maybe you should synopsize this one because you certainly are more familiar with the material. But uh, this is, 
You know, all of these are always just we're, like, what? We're guaranteed less tangents and <laughs> a much more concise That's synopsis fair. if you do it. I'm that already like, you know, we're the the tank is kind of on empty. I've been I've I've had basically I think about ten hour days this weekend. Uh, you know, twenty hours total in the theater. So right. right now, I don't know what is coming out of my mouth until it's happening. Water slide brain in effect. Got it. Okay. Well, here we go. After hearing gunshots at a London theater's variety show. Richard Hannay comforts a German woman going by the name Annabella Smith. After he takes her back to his apartment, she admits to being a spy who has uncovered a sinister plot by a man missing a fingertip to steal sensitive British secrets and some of his goons are out to kill her. After he finds her stabbed, she utters something about the 39 steps and is holding a map of Scotland. Actually, I'm going to take that back again because I rewatched it to get some clips and I realized that that was incorrect. <laughs> uh, so, all right. I'm keeping this all in, by the way. Uh, after he takes her back to his apartment, she admits to being a spy who has uncovered a sinister plot by a man missing a fingertip to steal sensitive British secrets and some of his goons are out to kill her. These secrets involve the 39 Steps. The next morning, he finds her stabbed, and she's holding the map of Scotland that he has provided for her with a certain uh, Scottish uh, farmhouse circled. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. This is so Alt complicated. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, she's holding the map of Scotland, knowing yeah. that if he doesn't run, he'll be presumed. He'll be the presumed killer. He sneaks out of his apartment building and hops on a train to Scotland. <laughs> There, he discovers that his name and photo are in all of the newspapers. In an attempt to trick the police searching the train for him, he ducks into a train car with Pamela, a typical Hitchcock blonde who he sexually assaults in order to seem like a couple of frisky train riders. But hey, it's the 30s. He tells her what his deal is, and she doesn't hesitate to tell the cops. He manages to hop off the train and escape on foot, still with the police on his tail. After staying a night at a farmhouse, he must quickly move to an area circled on Annabella's map that reads Altneshalach. Once he reaches it, he meets Professor Jordan, a socialite and friend to all local politicians. He also happens to be missing the very fingertip that Annabella warned Hannay to look out for. Turns out Professor Jordan is the one trying to steal Britain's secrets, so he shoots Hannay. But Hene happens to be wearing the coat of the religious farmer he stayed with the night prior, and the bullet hits a Bible. He makes his escape and tries to tell the police about Professor Jordan, but they are all friends with him and don't believe a word that Hene, a fugitive, says. He escapes to a busy meeting hall where he is mistaken for a speaker there to introduce a political candidate. He makes up a speech and is spotted by none other than Pamela, who rats him out to the cops who take, him, who take them both in, handcuffed to one another for some reason. Hannay escapes with Pamela attached to his wrist and they find their way to a local inn where he fakes being a secret couple on a runaway rendezvous. Pamela is clearly furious as she has now been kidnapped by what she thinks is a murderer. While Hannay sleeps, she wriggles out of the handcuffs and tries to escape. She overhears two of Professor Jordan's goons talking about Hannay at the inn and realize he's been telling the truth, so she decides to stay with him and help him out. She overheard that Jordan will... She overheard that Jordan will be at the London Palladium to retrieve the government's secrets the following night. They decide to split up, Hannay to the Palladium and Pamela to the British police. Since this is not likely to be something everyone has seen, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it is satisfying. It really is. It, yeah. And you know what uh, I like? Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. I, and I was going to say, there, there's so much from this movie that you definitely see the influence in a lot of, you know, future films. And uh, I mean, North by Northwest is is certainly one that you think of because there's like the case of mistaken identity and this person who is kind of forced to be on the run to solve this thing to clear right. his name. And, uh, and, and in a way, it almost felt like that was Hitchcock's way of maybe like, you know, that movie I did, I think I could do it a little bit better and a little bit different, you know, now that things have progressed with filmmaking and stuff like that, because, you know, 35, you know, there's not a lot of camera movement still. And, right. you know, it's 
it's it's just different. Oh yeah, so, no, I'm sure. I mean, budget between totally. Yeah, no, and and in, I mean, I guess not coincidentally. These are probably my two favorite of oh. of Hitchcock's movies that I've seen. Okay, so I, it, North by Northwest and Thirty Nine Steps, and I could I actually love tell North you, by Northwest. I could actually I could tell you the first circumstances under which I saw the Thirty Nine Steps. Oh, please do. And um, I so I was at I was studying acting. It was my uh, first year at the Mason Grove School of the Arts at Rutgers University. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I meant to do that one. Sure you did. Great. Um, and I was, you know, like I, I was given a, like we had to do scenes. We had scene partners and we were given scenes to do. My scene was from Neil Simon's Brighton Beach Memoirs, which included a reference of uh, a reference, like some references to the 39 steps because it. it takes place around it's like mid to late 30s. So, of course, these hmm. two, like, you know, teenage boys would have seen the 39 steps. And, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, this remember we talked about Meisner method. Uh, <laughs> I want to say on the Abyss episode. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. <laughs> well, when you when you're studying Meisner, you really like get into the, you know, like you need to know what your character knows. So, of course, if my character saw the 39 steps and and referenced it and liked it a lot i had to see the 39 steps and right. this was pre well this it was not pre-internet but it was like the early days of the internet it was certainly pre-streaming services and pre-netflix so and i mean pre-netflix like dvds so the sometimes the only way to see a movie like this was to like find where they were like either find where you could rent it, find like in a blockbuster or yeah. find a, the VHS tape. And and like, I think I just had this like, you know, one of those that you see in like the budget bin. Right. At, I don't know, like like a FYE or something like that. Uh -huh. and. I think that's where I got it, and I still have the the VHS. Or I think I I don't think I think it's gone now, but uh, it and I posted it on our Instagram account I at Room Childhoods that, yeah. Pod um, as a hint to what this week's episode was was going to be. So that was the VHS that I I watched, and I was really I was really into it. Like I really liked it, and. So it's always kind of had like it, it it's it's had a high place in my Hitchcock rankings. Cool. For a long time. I'm and I don't know what I might have seen of Hitchcock's prior to that. I think I had seen Psycho uh -huh. by that point, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Yeah, I think that I mean, I was in high school when I saw like Psycho and The Birds, uh, but I can't remember like any specifics about it. I just know that it happened, <laughs> you know, right. it's just one of those things where it's like it feels familiar, like something I would have seen as a teenager, uh, but I can't put my finger on exactly when it was. And yeah, this was my first time watching this uh, and it was and it was cool. And Dan, I... I'm sure that you watched this movie at least somewhat recently. I don't know if you watched it in the past week or so, but you know what movie I definitely saw I uh, got got some influence from this was The Fugitive. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, not just is it a well, person who The train. <laughs> well, right, no, there's actually, the train, but there's not not only just somebody who is mistaken to be a killer, but also in the 39 steps, he walks out and blends into like a parade. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 And I was like, Dr. Richard motherfucking Kimball. Yeah. He jumps Here right in. Oh, you know what else it, it, it reminded me of was, um, uh, you know, the, the Professor Jordan reminded me of in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The guy was like oh. Donovan or whatever his name is. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who hires him to do the. To, yeah, to, the one, the basically the yeah. one who hires him to go find the the Grail, and then right. and then like is working with the is working with the Nazis, right? <laughs> so, yeah, remember what I told you, Doctor Jones? Don't trust anybody, right? Even yep. me. Yeah. So, uh, except and Professor actually, Jordan does not lead him on for very long. <laughs> No, and actually, why don't we uh, listen to the scene where, uh, you know, um, Hene finally makes it over to, oh, what is it called? Alt-Nashalach. Yeah, and uh, he first is, is, there's a party going on there, and and after everybody clears out, uh, this is uh, what happens next. Now, Mr. Hene, I suppose it's safe to call you by your real name now. What about our mutual friend, Annabella? She's been murdered. Murdered? Oh, the Portland Mansions affair. What are our friends outside are looking for you for? I didn't do it. Of course you didn't. But why come all this way to Scotland to tell me about it? I believe she was coming to see you about some air ministry secret. She was killed by a foreign agent who was interested too. Did she tell you what the foreign agent looked like? It wasn't time. No, there was one thing. Part of his little finger was missing. Which one? This one, I think. Sure it wasn't this one? <sighs> no. I love how his wife walks in and sees him pointing the gun. Oh, wait, in the movie, does does he hide the gun? No, he doesn't. In? No, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. His wife comes in and is just like, oh, we're going to be serving lunch soon. Uh, you know, will Mr. Hammond be joining us? Because Hannah gives a fake name at right. the door. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and what's what's actually funny is we have uh, so Act One of the play ends with Professor Jordan shooting Hannah. Ah, uh, got it. And uh, because we already know from his wife walking in that she's in on it. Yeah. Uh, I have her come in at this. So like uh, Jordan shoots Hannah and then like stands over him and like and then he's got this evil laugh and his wife comes in and they do a a, a, a waltz basically. Huh. And I staged it to the the part of the Batman score when they're on top of the cathedral and oh uh, the Joker is dancing with Vicky Vale and it's that like kind of that demented Danny Elfman. Right. So I stage it to that and we have these like really cool, like weird red lights that come on and, but they both do this like maniacal laugh. It's awesome. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I probably shouldn't give away too much, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Little Some, tastes, and it's uh, describing it. I'm sure isn't as good as the uh, the real thing. Oh no, no, no! And uh, you know the the kids are great. The actor who's playing uh, the wife uh, choreographed the waltz, and like it's just so it's it's a lot of fun. And and they're doing all these. They're doing accents. Like they're doing really, like their their accents are really good. Like. I've got kids doing Scottish accents and they're nice. sounding really good. Good. <laughs> like, like, oh man. But going back, going back to one of the things that you were saying before you just played that clip is, uh, yes, I, uh, people give away information that you think they'd be holding on to much longer, uh, a lot. And that also reminds me of, uh, Annabella at the beginning. She's just like, so I know we just met, but yep, I'm a spy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's uh, she doesn't waste any time like spilling all the beans to uh, to Hene. Oh no, yeah, it, and yeah, it's 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 fun. And what's interesting is like Hitchcock movies. I feel like most of them don't move at a very brisk pace, uh-huh. and Thirty Nine Steps and North by Northwest are two that do north by northwest definitely moves um yeah i remember one of my gripes about psycho is like i i'm okay with like half of this movie i don't need the other half of it (laughs) you know (laughs) having watched it i i i was watching it again recently like not too long ago and it yeah yeah totally agree with that assessment (laughs) i mean it's been a while so i'll you know go back and check it out but my my memory of it was very much just like okay 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 moving on yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, 39 I think steps. that I felt that way quite a bit when we did Vertigo for the podcast. Uh, you know, it was certainly one of those things where, yeah, and that's not one that I loved so much just because I was just like, ah. And, and I got to say, it's a similar problem that I had with Vertigo that I did with the 39 steps in that, like, I kind of didn't care uh, about, like, Hene. Uh, just because he was like kind of a jerk and like, I don't know, he, I wasn't so much rooting for him. It's not like I was rooting for the bad guys or anything, but I was just like, I don't know. He's kind of a nincompoop. And like, I wish that he would have gone like hiding out a little bit and like changed his mustache or the way his hair looked or something. Right. Well, this is, yeah, he's no Richard Kimball. No. No, like, nor is yeah, nor is he uh, Maxwell Hauser. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no, he is. He's very much like you said, nincompoop. And it's funny because we're kind of playing him that way because he's also like okay, good. He's he doesn't do anything. He doesn't have a job, and especially the way it's no. set up in the play is he's just like, well, I just got back from Canada, and I'm living in this, like, rented apartment that's, like, under construction, and I don't really do anything except for, like, go to this place where I guess I drink and hang out, and uh-huh. he's like, nothing ever happens. Okay, I go to the theater, whatever. Uh, and yeah. so you really, you're not given a lot to sympathize with. He's also constantly making like all like bad jokes. He's like, he he like makes dad jokes, <laughs> like uh-huh. not our dad, just the generic dad jokes. Uh, sure. No, 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 no. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's not that I didn't like the movie. It's just that I didn't like him so much. Right. And it's funny because, you know, you, you read about this movie and you read about how revered his performance is, and how, you know, a lot of iconic actors like look up to this performance and, you know, uh, Robert Donat's, uh, I don't know, acting abilities. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing something or maybe it's... Well, it's uh, not him. It's the character. I. <sighs> yeah, but also it's just like he seemed just kind of like a dork and I... I don't know. Just didn't yeah. love it. But I, I get yeah. that a lot of it is the character. Yeah. No. And also, I like, you know, you find yourself rooting really for Pamela. <laughs> oh, 100%. She's the best person in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's still, yeah, it, it, it moves. And you could also see where a lot of uh, spy films that came later, not just Hitchcock spy films, yeah. but even like James Bond movies kind of take a cue from some of this. Uh, you know, you could think of Professor Jordan as being kind of a forerunner of a Bond of a Bond villain. Sure. Yeah. There's some sort of physical uh, something going on physically that uh, sets him apart. Or, also, in yeah. in 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 the version that we're doing, we have him coming in. So there's a. There's a it, it's a duck. It's I mean, it's like, I don't know, wooden like it's just like this painted replica of a duck. Uh, his name is Gerald and Gerald appears in every show. Gerald okay. is always somewhere in every show. So our reveal of my original plan for a reveal of Professor Jordan was to have him in a very tall backed armchair in his office while Hannah is standing there waiting for him. And when uh-huh. Hannah is waiting for him, he's kind of like opening the door to where this party is going on. And he kind of keeps peeking in and closing the door and then peeking in. And I was going to have the whole like turn in the chair and then he's holding Gerald stroking Gerald like like Mr. Uh, Bigglesworth style, Mr. Bigglesworth style. Yeah. So unfortunately, we couldn't get the, <laughs> we couldn't get a chair that worked and uh. or a desk that worked uh, like for what we wanted to do. So now we, we just have him kind of like entering from behind a curtain with, yeah. uh, you know, still with with Gerald, um, Mr. Bigglesworth style but sure it was definitely like that was the direction for it was like you're like you're bond villain well also he uh, tells the you know 
uh, you know, Hane or the Bond type character, I guess. I'm mean, not that he's a spy, but, you know, tells our protagonist all of the details of what's going on, gives him a lot of information rather than just being like, oh, you're this guy. Bam. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I see that. I, I definitely see that aspect of it as being an influence for, you know, uh, a, a Bond villain or... Um, uh, von uh, von Kunth in yeah. MacGruber or some you know uh, any any other number of those types of movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's a fun. It's a you know good before. And same for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I I yes. You know Spielberg has long wanted to direct a Bond movie. I I feel like that ship might have sailed though. Yeah, never say never. But, you know, just going back to talking about this kind of being one of those early spy movies that really, you know, carved a path for so many to come. I uh, I love spy movies. I mean, I, I feel like if it's a spy movie, unless it's like specifically targeted towards maybe just children or something, maybe I wouldn't go gravitate towards it but like wait a second are you saying spy kids is not i don't yeah spy kids my spy spy, next door the spy (laughs) next door i no spy spy kids i i am sorry i I, i'm just gonna take a moment i know i know you're this is not the point you're making but uh i i'm a spy kids fan oh i hey putting that out there i'm i'm not saying that i like actively dislike them i'm just saying like i will watch any uh, it's not the know. same. It's not Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy Kids. Tinker Tailor no. Soldier Spy. The first time I watched it, I was just like, oh, this is slow. And then I watched it again and I was like going into it being like, this is a slow movie. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, I am really enjoying this. I remember seeing that in the theater, uh, like when it opened in New York. I remember being really excited to go see it. And I remember, yeah, feeling it was really slow because you're like trying to figure everything out. And they, you know, that film really lets things play out. Oh, yeah. But wow, so good. It's very good. Great cast. Um, Yeah, a a different type of a different type of spy movie, which is cool. And uh, yeah, this is kind of an interesting one because it's like, you know, the spy dies right away so right it's you know it's somebody who's trying to clear his name by per- doing what the spy set out to do yeah right so that's kind of uh an interesting aspect to it yeah uh so dan i i have to know like is there anything because of what we do on this podcast and theorizing like you know, what we would do. You're in an opportunity where you can do things. And is the, uh, is the more like top secrety aspect of it, that style of humor, is that something that you've added to it? Or is that something that was kind of baked into the script? Oh, I would say baked into the script. Okay. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know if that was exactly what they intended or just what I saw in it, but, and Uh I've never seen it. I've never seen a production of it. So I'm really just going off of the script that I read and is like, I just thought it was really funny and saw a lot of great opportunity. I was like, if you could get the right performances, some like just really over the top hammy acting and yeah. you know, it like it, it's uh, I, I think I originally intended to have more, kind of call outs to specific like naked gun. Like I had a bit originally in mind that was taken from the naked gun that I didn't end up using because it just didn't, it really didn't work. It wasn't, it would have been forced. It would have been a forced. Got it. It didn't really fit in, but, uh, you know, there, there were some other, there were some other things that we had planned to do that we just couldn't because we didn't, uh, end up, we weren't able to, you know, produce what we needed for it. Uh, you know, like when he asks her if he, if she wants haddock, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing to offer, uh, uh, attractive young, young woman who randomly at, at, at the theater asks you to take her home. Uh, right. 
it, it, it's an interesting choice. So I was, we were going, we were, we were making a, like a big, I was like the, the largest a haddock could be. I want just a big floppy haddock for him to whip out onto the counter <laughs> in front of him. Like I want him to like offer her haddock and when, and she's like, yes, haddock would be wunderbar. And like, just have him go behind this counter and just, just slam this huge haddock onto the counter and at a certain point i was gonna have him like cleave its head but right <laughs> you know it's it, in the beginning in the beginning process you just have all of the you know oh, everything yeah. in the world in your head works out perfectly and then of course as you're going forward you're like okay maybe we we're not maybe we can't do this or maybe that's not gonna work well so also in that scene he uh cuts a slice of a a piece of bread from like this giant loaf of bread. Oh, right. And he somehow cuts like this perfect slice. And I'm just watching, like I watched it twice and I was just like, look at that immaculate slice of bread he just cut. Well, and you know, you're wondering why actors look up to his performance. <laughs> like, it's come on. probably It's probably just like something carved out of foam. And it's probably not really bread, but I looked at that thing and I no, was like, I, I want to that's legit bread. And I'd like to see Daniel Day Lewis slice <laughs> some bread as I'd flawlessly watch slice bread. Are you yeah. kidding me? I would definitely watch <laughs> if it was his character from Phantom Thread. If it was, uh, oh, uh, God, what's his name? Ren- uh, Reynolds Woodcock. Reynolds. If it was Reynolds Woodcock. Yes, I would watch a movie about Reynolds Woodcock slicing bread. Uh, yes. As long as there was someone there for him to be an asshole to. <laughs> <sighs> so good uh big phantom thread fans here okay yeah i know i know i know i know i know so uh yeah and then so you're saying that there were things that you wanted to put into your version of this uh that you couldn't but were there things that you added to it that weren't in the script so much did you kind of take any opportunities to kind of see uh your any type of like vision through where it's just like I know what I would do if I was making this. Um so there were a couple of things that that we did um and I'm curious to see how this all works out but we have a so for the plane chase uh you know how are you going to do that on stage and there's lots of different ways it could be done and I was like, you know what? I want it like a cardboard box plane. I want it to look yeah. like something like the Peanuts gang would have made. Yeah. And sure enough, <laughs> like they finished it today. They finished oh, making wow. it. And and we're going to and and we're just kind of like painting it all like it's cardboard. It's a cardboard box. There's some wooden framing in it and yeah. like under the wings and the wings have hinges on them so that they can fit through the door. <laughs> Um, but like, it looks like a cardboard box plane. Like the wings are even made with, they're made with cardboard. Uh, and like, it's basically going to look like something the Peanuts gang made. And we're just going to paint the whole thing white and then take some black paint and write plane on both sides because, well, because also then, um, later in the show, as they're as Professor Jordan's thugs are are driving them, I guess to Professor Jordan's, uh, they you know they're blocked by a flock of sheep blocking the road. So yeah. of course, what do you do when you have a thirty person cast? Oh. <laughs> you grab yeah. all the actors that aren't doing anything. And you're like you're sheep now. You're sheep, and then the costumes question is, well, how do we make sheep costumes and all of these different ideas and thoughts. And then one day I was just like, let's get some white t-shirts and write sheep on them. And like, we'll get some white beanies and add some little ears on them. And those are sheep costumes. Yeah. And then we added on the, they wrote on the back of the shirts, they wrote ba on the back of the shirts and they add, we added, and I was like, you know what those need? Little sheep tails. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's like, can we get little sheep tails? And of course, like my costume department, and this is all kids, by the way, who do all sure. this stuff. Uh, sorry. I'm like, I, I, I should say like, you know, cause sometimes it's like, oh, your costume department is a bunch of teachers and parents. I'm like, no, it's all, it's really like, we have a couple of teachers. We have a couple of like adults helping out, but the kids are doing this, put tails on the sheep costumes. So we have like that type of thing going on. And then there's the, um, uh, some of the innuendo, uh, there's, oh, there's a thing whenever Hane like is, we have him every time he, he meets a new young woman that he's interested in. He flips, he does this thing with his hair. Huh. Uh, it's kind of a running gag. There's a running gag with him, uh, Oh, um, what's the other thing? I'm sorry. I'm like in my mind running through the play. Uh, the 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 he does this dip every time he like kisses a woman because he like kisses the 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 wife of the crofter whose house he right. stays in, whose like cottage on the Scottish moors. Um, he goes to the uh to the little like hotel that's out in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And uh, we've just got some funny stuff with that, like the the two that play the the hotel owners, the McGarrigals, like right. they're just really funny, and they're they I have them doing it like Archie and Edith Bunker, kind of. Oh, uh, I I was hoping that you were gonna have them do it like uh, uh, Carol Kane in um, Transylvania Six Five Thousand, oh, and the guy. That, yes, uh, it is very, yeah. it is very, it's similar to that. It's also like I would say, where else did we draw inspiration from? Um, oh yeah, I definitely had all the kids, uh, th- like the guy playing the crofter. I definitely had him watch like the Mike Myers. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. Sketch. Oh. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, it's over the top. It's funny. And I was like, I want you to just have this really, like, gruff, like, Scottish, like, farm, like, raised. You were born on this farm. You were raised on this farm. You are going to die on this farm. Uh, I want to know how he met his wife, by the way. We talked about some stories because, because, like, she talks about how she had lived in Glasgow. And right. uh, so yeah, we were... so it's like this old farmer is married to this. I don't know if old is old, but like you know, older farmer is married to this younger uh, woman who certainly is like cultured and and loves the idea of living in the city and has lived in in Glasgow and stuff. And it's very yeah, much it's like how does this happen? It's very much one of these, like, maybe, like, she was having some wild times, so her father, like, arranged this marriage and was like, here, you'll go marry this man. And and she, he's just like, yeah, so, of course, when Hane comes in, she's just all about it. Yeah. Uh, And, and helps him, helps him get away. It's it's really it's really funny like and the they really play that up like there's a scene at the table and it's funny because I hadn't watched it in a long time and then I was directing it and then I thought like you know let me check this out because I was having some challenges with staging some scenes like there's a Uh chase outside a train like outside a moving train um I'm like maybe I can check out the movie and see what's going on here and maybe it'll help and Honestly, it, it didn't because it's not being played for laughs. But the scene in the crofter's home when they're having dinner, the crofter already thinks that that Hane and his wife are sleeping together and he's been there for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and like th- he's saying grace, the crofter's saying grace and Hane is trying to sneak looks at at this newspaper to see what the newspaper is saying about him. And that's when Margaret sees that it's him on the newspaper. So they're so the two of them are like looking across at each other because they're all pretending to be listening to this prayer. And then the crofter opens his eyes while he's still praying. And I was like, there's no way it's like this in the movie. And Uh it is like this in the movie. We just kind of really pump up the volume in the play. So it's kind of like you could imagine Mike Myers playing the crofter doing yeah. that like between that and the father from so I married an axe I was going to ask if you had your students oh, watch 
Yeah. De- definitely. We definitely watched like his, like one of his scenes. The Pentaveret. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Uh, and not also uh, the thing, the, the weekly world news. <laughs> yeah. This is the paper. The news. Uh, yeah. We, Head we, paper yeah. now. Hey, it's like <laughs> Sputnik. Spherical, but quite pointy in places. Watching Anthony LaPaglia, like, just cracking totally up in break. that scene is so satisfying because it's like it works for the character. Yes. Uh, so it's totally okay. And it, you know that that's all just like genuine, just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening right now. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, Dan, I have really one more question for you uh, yeah. about uh, your role in directing the 39 Steps. Do you get all Hitchcockian and make a cameo? <laughs> No, oh. I, I do not. Um, I, you know, I would love to, but it's like. Is it more like Gerald is the Alfred Hitchcock of yes. West Seattle High yeah. School theater productions? Ex- John, you nailed it. All right. There we go. You nailed it right there. <laughs> yeah. Alf Gerald is the Alfred Hitchcock who appears in every production at West Seattle High School uh, including the 39 steps, November 11th, 12th, 13th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 7.30 p.m., live stream, or come see it in person. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, you know, aside from directing this as a uh, a play for high school students, what else would you do with the 39 steps? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, we mentioned uh, Annabella before and, uh, you know, we were talking about like about her character. I feel like there's 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 some like prequel slash spinoff potential with with her character. You know, how does Annabella in the movie Smith in the play Schmidt, uh, how does Annabella, you know, become this spy who's not working for Germany. Yeah. Um, which in, in the novel, the novel was from 1915. So this was uh different Germany. The, the movie's 1935 and it, it is set uh, to be 1935. Yeah. And uh, you know, so it would be interesting to kind of see uh, some Annabella Schmidt backstory, but honestly, I, I just, I kind of would like to just see like a really talented filmmaker do a straight up remake. Yeah, that's that's where I was going to, because it's like this totally works. You could do present day. I mean, that's just what I was thinking present day, because like even the 2008 like BBC version still takes place. I I mean, First half of the 20th century. I, I couldn't pinpoint exactly when it was uh, supposed to be set. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that I mean, maybe it, I think maybe it was even earlier because it definitely wasn't this like doing what the Hitchcock version did. It did its own thing. I think some of them are pre-World War One. Some of them are pre-World War Two. Right. But I honestly, I would keep it as pre-World War II. I think it really works. And I think the idea of of trying to prevent war and and something that we know didn't happen, but kind of these little struggles and the and the fact that like there these things were going on. I like the idea of that. I would like to see. I I was just trying to think I, off the top of my head, thinking of filmmakers, just like the three that popped into my head. Uh, actually, I was kind of curious to see what Damien Chazelle would do with really with. I'm you know I'm I'm just kind of like for me he's he's one and one. Uh, not a fan of La La Land, but loved um, uh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Like yeah. And really, because did you see First Man? Oh no, I did not see First Man. It's you know okay, fine. Yeah. Um. So, but I was thinking about Whiplash, and I was thinking about the tension brought to that, and I I thought that maybe that could work. I also thought, I mean, I know he's done like Bond movies, but I thought about Sam Mendes as someone who could really do so good. 
a nice like a, a nice like nuance like he really gets tone like i rewatched uh, road to perdition not too long ago and yeah it's really good uh, i watched that maybe a year ago yeah like i'm just i i really enjoy sam sam mendes uh work uh, you know, of course, when dealing with something British and thinking about, well, who's someone who kind of likes to try different things, um, do different things? Of course, I thought about Edgar Wright. And okay. I'm I'm sure that there are a lot of filmmakers out there, uh, both British and not British, who could really do, do uh, you know, a, a, a really good job with something like uh-huh. this. And I think it would yeah. just be a really good opportunity to see a filmmaker try, uh, you know, something in it, like a, a nice, a good classic standard genre film like like 39 Steps. Who would be your Hannah? Um, well, let's see. I would want them to be British. They would need to be okay. on the younger side. Uh, so I, I mean, I don't. In thinking about it, I'm like, would a Daniel Radcliffe be be a bad choice for something like this? I mean, it's like I'm trying to think of names of like uh, British actors who are, I guess, around like 30 around there, early 30s. Uh-huh. I don't know. Is Harry Potter 30? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know. I was thinking about Taron Edgerton, who I really like, but I don't see him in this. I don't see right. him. In- also, he does his own like spy. Well, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that too. Um. Oh, you know. Oh, you know. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Who's Dan Stevens? Dan Stevens was on Downton Abbey. Uh, okay. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. I mean, Dan Stevens is who would be cast in this if they did it. I, I have little, I'm trying, now I'm trying to think of like other people from Downton Abbey that I would cast in this. So, yeah. but I think, I, I feel like Dan Stevens would, would make a really good henne. I would love to cast a, uh, like a young David Thewlis. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'd say David Thewlis would be really good as Jordan. Yes. He'd be a great Jordan. Yes, yes. So what what are you thinking? He'd be a great Jordan or the like farmer. Uh <laughs> cuz he's, you know, like I could see him being really like um I don't know, paranoid and uh, schemy and kind of slimy and you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. That, uh, that but anyway, works. yeah. So what I was thinking was a more of a modern day remake of this. And it, instead of having it be centered around, uh, you know, a, a, uh, an aircraft engine, which is what this is. I, I don't want to give too much information for anybody who right. hasn't seen it, but, uh, something for warfare, uh, I would say that maybe there'd be some sort of like, you know, um, international race for like free, clean energy, like some sort of like energy source or something like that. It's been done a hundred times, but like so has, you know, what do you, what do you, have you ever seen Chain Reaction starring Keanu Reeves and Morgan Freeman? Oh God, no, I haven't. Is that what that is? (laughs) That's basically the plot. Actually, come to think of it. Yeah. I'm like, except for it's different in that like Keanu is like one of the scientists who comes up with got this. Got it, got then, it, got it. Yeah. Uh, it's an Andrew uh, Davis. And speaking of The Fugitive, it's an Andrew Davis Andrew Davis. Film. Look at that. That's so, so funny. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, so maybe it isn't that, but it's something like that <laughs> where it's like, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to do with like one country versus another, but maybe just like, you know, it's something that's been, that's been developed by like the, you know, whichever government, British government, US government, I don't know. But I... Uh, it's you know threatening to be sold to a a different government that uh i don't know maybe you know it's hard to say because you don't want to pinpoint a country as being the the villain you know the entire villain of something but just being sold to another country is 
maybe all you need. You could but, pick, uh, I mean, what, pick a harm, like, what about Denmark? What about Denmark? It, yeah, right? Something like, like come something on. that you just don't hear from a lot. Yeah. And uh, for director, I was thinking Duncan Jones. Oh, yes. I knew I was going to say that and you'd be like, oh, yes. <laughs> that is exactly what I said. Yeah, as uh, we were here, we have it on the recording. Uh, yeah, so Duncan Jones, and uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking that it had to be somebody who was like in their thirties, um, and I don't know. I I didn't think that it needed to also be somebody who was British because in the Hitchcock version, it's a Canadian. Why he sounds British, I don't know. But it's like you know, well, he's a it Brit who necessarily- is living in Canada. He's a Brit who's living in Canada. Is that what yeah, it was? The, yeah. It's just, and then why, he came why back. even do the Canada thing then? And then he, well, I think the whole idea was that like he was in Canada, like when he was in Canada, like he had, there was like a lot going on. And I don't, I feel like there's stuff that we don't know about like why he came back, but yeah. Or maybe like, his but he's only there out. for a, he's only there for a month though, because he, he's renting and he's renting a furnished apartment. He's only there for a month. Yeah, that's I, what he I, says. You know, the novel probably explains more. Yeah, and I or read it's it when I or that part is unique to the Hitchcock version. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. So the uh, yeah, so I was thinking somebody like and I and maybe because I had Duncan Jones in the mind, I was thinking like Sam Rockwell would be really good. You know, uh, just like somebody charismatic who. Uh, I don't know. You could see being one of those people who's like put into this impossible situation where they need to clear their name. And also by doing that, they are, you know, performing the duties that this, this spy did. And maybe, you know, this would have been better for Sam Rockwell 15 years ago. But um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this specifically, but in general though, I do like the idea of Sam Rockwell playing like that yeah. type of part or like the, the Cary Grant type part uh, yeah. from North by Northwest. Just seeing Sam Rockwell in that type of role. And I'm trying to think. He if, also plays younger. You know, he does. He 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 yeah. does. It's yeah. I, I, I How old is Sam Rockwell? I'd say probably 50, 55, maybe maybe a little bit younger than that. I don't know. He is 53. 50, he, hey, fact, look at that. In fact, John, as today is November 7th, uh, he celebrated his uh, 53rd birthday two days ago on November wow. 5th. Happy birthday, Sam Rockwell. Happy birthday, Sam Rockwell. You yeah, are a treasure. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many fantastic actors out there. Uh, this could be one that's also, uh, you know, a gender swap. It doesn't necessarily need to be a man. Uh, no. There's also so many just fantastic actresses out there that, you know, it's uh, that's not really my focus of doing it. But I my main my main thought was that I would want it to be a uh, a remake that is set in modern day because we do have three versions of this that are, uh, well, one of them is a period piece the 2008 one is a period piece the other two might be more uh specific to those eras although the 59 one i'm not sure if that one plays uh for a different time period but uh i could definitely see something more modern day because this is a a plot device that does get kind of recycled and like we said the fugitive is a very similar movie as well not Mm -hmm. necessarily incorporating government secrets or anything but the person who is assumed to be a murderer who is trying to clear his name and there are trains involved and you know there's uh uh, a parade (laughs) there's a parade yep and there's a uh a banquet hall scene so there you go and a trade like a a traitor yeah oh yeah 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 Absolutely. So, uh, lot going De- on. Uh, Declan McGregor, Devlin McGregor, Devlin McGregor is yes. the name of the pharmaceutical company. Which I was just—I think about Devlin McGregor all the time. I'm just like, that is such a great name for a pharmaceutical company, and they just <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> I mean, best picture nomination. <laughs> yeah, 
just because of that name, Devlin McGregor. That could have been the tipping point for some people. So, Dan, any more thoughts? You've already uh, given your pitch to people for checking out the 39 Steps, West Seattle High. No, yes. Thank you. Thank you. um, I'm, I will not take any more opportunities to, to do that. Um, no, just like it's kind of, if you're someone who's looking into, you know, like you're looking into getting into some of the more of the less seen classic films, especially in terms of Hitchcock, find an opportunity to watch this, uh, the 39 steps. I would Hitchcock's version. I mean, uh, and it's a, you know, it's a fun story, and I think, you know, it's a, you can check it out and enjoy it. Yeah, and also, I didn't describe what happens at the end, and you just got to know. It, I mean, it's something that I saw it coming, but I, uh, when I re- came to the realization and then saw it actually happen, I was like, good. I'm glad that they did that. It yeah. wasn't one of those things where it's just like, I figured it out. It was just like... It's just like, yep, they did the exact right thing. Yes, they made a good choice. Yeah. Uh, That Alfred Hitchcock, he's got a future. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They said. Uh, That's what they said in 35, yeah. Um, Dan, do you want to tell people what we're going to be doing on our next episode? Um, Well, I mean, basically, we're kind of going to be freestyling. Uh, John and I have decided that we're going to just kind of do an episode where we allow the conversation to flow and we're going to talk movies and, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about ourselves, our, you know, kind of our backgrounds, how movies became so important in our lives. Um, our favorite movie going experiences, least favorite movie going experiences. I guess if you have any questions for us, I don't, I, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com yeah and and we'll answer those or and or if there's anything I don't know maybe we'll talk about some movies that we probably won't do any full episodes on but just kind of do a little five minute sure dive into them I don't know yeah I mean we're doing this because as we've discussed on this episode you know Dan has a very busy week coming up with with the play and everything and it's also the end of the uh quarter in terms Uh, of school so (laughs) yeah just want to take it a little bit easier and and not give dan any homework (laughs) no but it's uh, i'm i'm looking forward to it too it'll be fun to do something a little different and maybe get to ask each other some questions that we don't normally get to ask and bring up some movies we don't ordinarily get to talk about and yeah, you know, shoot the proverbial no, shit for a little bit. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh yeah, check out our link tree. Uh it's in our it's in the show notes in the episode's description. And uh also you could email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Uh speaking of that link tree, I just gotta say my Rune Childhoods tote bag has come in clutch this week. Oh, because all right. what's nice about these tote bags is they are a bit larger than your average tote bag. And as I've been like getting things that I need to bring in, like ordering tons of stuff from Amazon that I need to bring into the show and carrying various things around throughout the day, um it, it's been in heavy rotation. Excellent. Heavy totation, I should say. Oh. On that note. Uh, okay. Well, Dan, as you are on the run, jumping off of some Scottish bridge, I the wish you a good bridge. journey. Good journey. Collecting